0: You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit stonegate-church.com. It is a privilege to be up here, and what we're going to start off with is continue talking about Thanksgiving because I love food. And uh, what we're going to try to figure out is what is uh, what's our focus—not just for Thanksgiving, for Thanksgiving is me getting food, um, but what's our focus in? like kind of macrocosm of our world, of our lives. Um, When we have a focus on something, what's going around us and what's happening. And for Thanksgiving, some of y'all, it's like, I'm gonna eat some good food. I'm gonna eat some ham, some dresses, some cornbread. I'm gonna do all, maybe not cornbread, Uh, but you do all that stuff. And for some of y'all, it's like, I'm gonna be in the kitchen and I'm gonna be in the kitchen for days. And I'm just gonna fix all this stuff because this is what I love to do. And that's kind of your primary focus. For some of y'all, it's the parade and you like to do that whole deal. Uh, and watch the parade. For some of y'all, it's the games. Sorry, Cowboys fans. I shouldn't have brought it up, huh? That's okay. That's okay. All right. But some of y'all love the game. And then some of y'all, y'all do the Black Friday shopping. If y'all do the Black Friday, like y'all stay up. None of y'all, y'all are holy people. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so yeah. So some of y'all do that. Your focus is on that, right? And then it it amazes me though. And and it's the same for me. In the midst of me focusing on my gift of receiving hospitality, I miss the fact that there are people around me, family members that don't know the Lord. And we miss those conversations and those moments where people need Jesus. And the Lord's kind of serving this up on a silver platter saying, this is like, this is your moment for you. And so a lot of us, we go to church and we're like, man, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn how to share the gospel and I'm gonna memorize Romans Road and I'm gonna do all this stuff. And then I'm gonna go out into the world and I'm gonna share the gospel. When a lot of us, we had our own family members that don't know Jesus. They're there, they're right there. And for me, I'm like, okay, I, I gotta work. I work at a church. I gotta do the whole Christian thing at, you know, at work. Uh, and then when I'm home, I just get to and not have to think about anything and just, and I just kind of like forget about the opportunity that I have where there are family members that I know that love me that would probably love to at least have a conversation about it, right? We just miss it. So the question I'm posing today, this morning is, why do we miss it? Why do we miss those moments? And, and LifeWay did a study back in uh, 2013 the age range was 18 to 29. And this is kind of what they found. Uh, 85% agree with the need to share the gospel. That's pretty good. That's pretty high. Right. So that's kind of encouraging. Then it goes on and gets more encouraging. It's pretty good. 69% feel comfortable sharing the gospel. So that's, that's almost passing. That's almost a 70. That's pretty good. That's seven out of 10 people feel comfortable doing it. And then it moves on and says, but only 25%, one out of every four, look for ways to share the gospel. One out of every four people are actually aware and alert and looking for ways to talk about Jesus with other people. And then they said 27% intentionally build relationships with unbelievers. 27%. So that's pretty low, right? So, so, Why is that the case? And and I think Jesus has some things to to say about that Um, in the midst of what we're doing in our world and in our lives. Why are we missing these opportunities? And is there any way that we can not miss them and do a better job at this? Uh, And so what I want you to do is just turn to Luke chapter 18. We're actually gonna go to verse 31 and go back a little bit and get some context to what's going on. In verse 31, it says, and taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished where he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. So what's going on is Jesus is headed to Jerusalem with his boys and he's on a mission. And I'd say it's pretty important. He's going to Jerusalem to be hung on a cross and die for the sins of the world. Pretty big, okay? So he has this big mission, he's with his boys. And this is not really a surprise because if you go all the way back to chapter nine, verse 51, Jesus says this again. Hey, I just wanna let y'all know I'm headed to Jerusalem. We're on a little time schedule here. It's got to happen when it happens on on his timing, not really my timing, but on his timing. But we're heading there. And he spends the next, really, 10 plus chapters heading to Jerusalem on this big mission. Okay? So he has this plan for a long time. He's supposed to fulfill what the prophets had, had written. So what Luke is saying here is that there are these prophets back in the Old Testament. And if you go back to Psalm 22, if you go back to Isaiah 53, you'll find out exactly how Jesus was supposed to die. Description to the T. And this is how Jesus was supposed to die. And Jesus got like, I gotta, I gotta make sure that this is done. And this is done on the right timing, the way that the prophet said it was gonna be done. All right? And so these prophecies are about his death and about his resurrection. And the disciples just don't get it. And I'm not sure if it's like because they're dumb. I mean, they may be dumb, I don't know. Uh, but, but if you read the text, it's a little bit more than that. So they're not just dumb. They made a couple mistakes. But if you go back to verse 34, it says they understood none of these things. Why? The saying was hidden from them. And if you look back at the subtitle, if you have even just a regular Bible, you'll see that Jesus says this, what, for the third time. He's foretelling of his death and resurrection for the third time, going, this is how it's going to happen. And like, if you read that, it doesn't seem like it's like really hard to understand. It's kind of like, I'm going to die in three days. I'll be up again. And the doctor's like, huh, what is he saying? Like, he just doesn't get it, right? Uh, but, but the reason why they don't get it is because it's not time yet for them to get it. And Jesus is actually ha- allowing this to be hidden from them. And if at the appropriate time, they will get it. Okay. And so, so this, is the, this is the context of what is going on is that Jesus is on this big mission, pretty big, and we'll see what happens in the midst of this, all right? So let's keep going. As we read in the scripture reading, verse 35, and he drew near to Jericho. So he's getting closer to Jerusalem. And a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. He told them, they told them, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And then he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Before we get to what Jesus is doing here, I want us to to look at and allow us to learn from the blind man. Okay, so you see first is that the blind man is listening for and asking about the movement of Jesus. Dude can't see, but he's like, what was that? Is that Jesus? Not ain't Jesus. Okay, hold on, my bad, my bad. Wait, wait, is that Jesus? Yeah, that's Jesus. Jesus! Okay, he is looking for the movement and sensing where Jesus is at. Stonegate Church, what if we were a people that when Jesus moves, we are discerning and asking and searching For him. We're going on with our lives. We have all these big tasks and things that we got to do. We hear one thing. Is that Jesus? Jesus, what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? The blind man is so aware and attentive to what Jesus is doing that every movement, he's asking. So he's asking, he's listening, and then he cries out for the healing of Jesus, you humble yourself, fall to your knees and say, Jesus, you are the only one that can heal me, do it. So after he cries out, you see that there are some people I said, shh, be quiet. You don't need to be talking about Jesus. And his response is, he amplifies his cry even though there is persistent persecution and he is resilient about coming to Jesus. Listens and asks about him, cries out, is shushed, cries out even louder, and then he does one more thing. He identifies his need and takes it to Jesus. Now, some of y'all in here, y'all don't even know y'all have a need. You're like, either there's a blind spot, something going on, y'all don't even know what's going on, but you're like, don't even realize you have a need. Some of y'all, y'all have a need, but y'all don't take it to Jesus. You take it to yourself. You, you find all the ways that you could go about fixing whatever you need based in this world. And then Jesus ends up being a last resort. And this dude says, I have a need. This is the need, only Jesus can heal me from it. And and my encouragement for y'all, what we can learn from this guy that doesn't even have a name in this passage is that he listens for the movement of Jesus. He cries out, he cries out even louder with courage and boldness and is resilient to get to Jesus and ask him to heal him. And then he identifies his need and brings it to him. This is the blind man. And so you get this part of the story and then you move on because you get in verse 40, the perspective of Jesus. So Jesus says, and it says, and Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? So think about this. Let's put it in perspective again. Jesus is on a big mission, dying on the cross for the sins of the world, right? Right? Needs to be done in a timely manner, right? In in God's timing. Big mission, big call. And let let me just talk through what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus doesn't ignore him or act like he doesn't hear him. Jesus doesn't say, bro, I'm on a schedule. I can't stop. I got things to do. Have you seen my to-do list? Pretty important, pretty big. He doesn't say, man, I've got something really important to do. But what he does instead is the first thing is he has this big important thing and he stops. And he looks at the blind man. And then he asks. And he says, I need that guy right there. Bring him to me now. And how many of us, when we see a need, And we'll say, not right now, but I can do it later. I'll pray for you now or I'll pray for you later, but not now. I got things to do. And he asks, "What, what, what will you have me do for you? Then he does this, he listens. It's not Jesus walking up, sees the blind man clearly, he knows what's wrong with him. And he's Jesus, so he knows anyways. He's like, hey, what what do you have me to do? He listens and he starts asking questions to him. And how many of us, when we have our Romans road figured out, we have the three circles, we have all our ways of evangelism, and then we come up to someone and we already know what we're gonna say. We've already had calculated in our minds what we're gonna say before they even speak. Or as they're speaking, you already know what you're gonna say. You don't even listen to them. Jesus, what he does is he goes about and he sees this blind man stops and listens to a human being as if he has a soul, not a project. It's not just something you can check off the list. He doesn't just pass him by and say, man, I've, don't you know I'm about to do something really important? I ain't got time for you. Ain't nobody got time for that. He doesn't say that. Jesus stops in the midst of his day in the midst of something that he's doing, really important. And he stops and asks questions and listens. And, and it's funny how many, we get into this world um, and there's so many different worlds that we could touch on, whether it's like college, like the, you, know, you have a major and you gotta get, make sure you graduate or you're a mom or you're a dad or you have this job or you gotta get this job. Or you're like, the Lord told me I gotta get this job so I gotta do it, everything else doesn't matter. And so we get into this mode where we look down, start walking because we have this plan, we have this big goal, it may be from the Lord. And then you, you totally miss what the Lord's trying to do in the midst of the journey to get there. Just miss it. Because I gotta do this, I gotta be this, I gotta be great mom. I have the to-do list and the schedule, my, my wife, perfect schedule for the day of what to do with Kai. And then she misses, Me too. Mi- we miss the opportunities and moments where the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, two o'clock, that dude do not know Jesus. Talk to him. No, no, just stop and listen to him. There's a human being with a soul that is blind and he needs to see. Can you just listen? And it's really funny, I, I, um, when I was back in Houston, uh, working at a church and there's this guy that came on Sunday. He was, he was like pretty close to um, just, just trying to figure out his salvation and all this stuff, but he seemed hungry. Um, he came Sunday and they were like, we'll schedule Wednesday, we'll schedule to come back and we can talk about, you know, the whole salvation thing. I'm like, great. Dude comes up Tuesday, drives up in the parking lot, parks it and calls the church and he's like, I need to talk to someone right now about my salvation. So calls through, you know, pastor doesn't answer, da, 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 different people, just, they're just busy. You know, not bad, just they're just busy. And the phone call ends up coming to me. And I was like, sure, come on up. Why not? Sure, I can, I can talk about Jesus. It's great. So come up. And I already, again, had my Romans Road, three circles, everything ready. I was ready to go. Like, share the gospel with this dude. And then at the last moment, the Holy Spirit kind of just like, it dawned on me. And, and the words that I heard were, listen. Like, just listen to this guy. So he comes in. And about five minutes in, it turns out that this guy, you know, has been wrestling with the salvation. But, but the thing that kind of was the roadblock was that his friends kept telling him that he was a good guy. And he's, and he's just better, you know, he's not as bad as this other guy. He's like, I just don't feel like I'm that bad of a person. And I was like, let me help you out with that. You're not great. <laughs> you know, and, and like, so it's, I was like, kind of like a, this moment where I was like, man, I, I don't know if I should say that. Oh gosh. Uh, but then 15 minutes later, this dude gets saved. The dude gets saved and it was because, I mean, man, is it too early? Goodness, like this dude is like, so, but what's happening is, is I could have went straight to Romans Road. Like I had an answer for my faith ready to go. And and if I didn't listen to this guy and listen to like, and so the gospel's like this jewel, right? And the Holy Spirit likes to just shine the light on this jewel to allow it to just shine light in his soul. Right? But if you turn it, there's different, there's different angles to it, right? And so, so, what I did is I just allowed the Holy Spirit to like turn that jewel right at the right spot. And He's like, boom, right there. And all I had to do was listen. All I had to do was say, hey, man, what's going on in your life? I'm like, what do you need? And the Holy Spirit's just bringing those opportunities and bringing the words to say right when it right when I need it. And so again, that's treating someone um, as if they have a soul rather than just treating them like a project and a checklist. And Jesus does that. Um, can you imagine? I mean, I'm just thinking through like a, you know, Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham's about to sacrifice his son. Why? Because God told him to, right? Can you imagine how that story would have gone if he was like, Yes, God, you want me to sacrifice my son? Okay, great. Turns off his earplugs and just goes on his business. Never listening to the Lord. He's like, I already heard it from the Lord. He already told me what to do. I'm good to go. He would have missed out on the angels going, wait, it was just a test. <laughs> Don't do it. Right? But how many of us, we go about our days like the Lord told me to do this. Okay, let's do it. And we just go on our days. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's saying, Stop. That dude right there, go talk to him. But you told me to go to, don't go talk to that dude. We just miss it. We miss it. And and so I I just want to warn y'all just to be careful that just because the Lord has spoken to you doesn't give you the freedom to stop listening to him at all. And we have to be aware of those opportunities when it comes. And, and Jesus' big mission, he stops and he just listens. Just listens. So the neat thing about this is that it ends well. If you go to verse 43, you get the response of the blind man. It says, immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. And this is what I'd like to call just simplified evangelism. And a lot of times we hear from the church or just hear from people, oh man, you can't, you can't share the gospel unless you're ready or unless you know, you're seated at the right hand of Paul himself. You cannot share the gospel, right? You gotta go through all of this stuff to go through the seminary training, go through all this stuff, and then you'll be ready to make disciples. And when really it's, it's kind of more simple than that. This blind man encounters Jesus, he gets saved, starts following Jesus, people see him and they give thanks to God. That's simplified evangelism. That is uh, where, where the blind man is essentially saying, I was blind, I encountered the living Jesus, I can see now, now I follow Jesus. That's it. And after that, it's not like, I mean, there, there's a lot of like nuts and bolts and things that you need to figure out about, you know, like, man, what does propitiation mean? And like, what is it, sanctification and glorification? And what's all this stuff? I mean, yeah, that's really helpful to know, but it could be just as simple as, man, I was this way, I was busted up. I met Jesus and look at me now. It ain't because of me. And, 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 and people see that and they go, I want that. Give me, give me that. I know you don't have all the answers, but I want that. And I wonder if, 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 if on one hand, we, we've made evangelism and sharing the gospel so complicated. And, and I wonder on the other hand, that this is even um, what I think a little more frightening is that I wonder if people just don't see us following Jesus. They just kind of see this watered down, let me fit into the world sort of faith. And people don't want that. <laughs> um, what if it's as simple as, this is my story, this is, I met the living God, I'm now different, and I follow ferociously after Jesus. And you talk about it, you share that story, and people follow God and give praise to God because of that. What if it's that simple? Uh, so, so Jesus... Is following after after, you know, following this plan, right? And we get to the next story. Still on a mission, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. He entered Jer- Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Little We Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was rich. Rich because he stole people's money, and everybody hated him. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree. Y'all know the song. Y'all probably singing it right now. To see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried or scurried along with little feet and he came, I don't know if he has little feet, that's weird. Um, and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone in to be the guests of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save The loss. So let's look at Zacchaeus really quick. Zacchaeus was a guy and let's just put it plain and simple. He wanted to see Jesus and you know what he did? He did something about it. Like think about that. For for those of you that are in here that that don't know the Lord or for some of you that, that are struggling with your walk with the Lord, he wanted to see Jesus and did something about it. Climbed up in a sycamore tree. And how many of us, I mean, we, we are struggling with our walk with the Lord and then it's just every week, it's the same thing of like, man, I struggled with it again, man, I did this, man. I, and like you do nothing about it to position yourself to, to see Jesus. Whether it's immersing yourself in the word of God, whether it's immersing yourself amongst a community of believers in, in a home group, um, there, there are things that you can do to pos- at least position yourself to where you can sense the Holy Spirit and taste Jesus. And taste that he is good. And this dude said, I'm a wee little man. The crowd's kind of way up here. I can't see Jesus. Oh, there's a tree. Let me climb up the tree so I can see Jesus. does, does something about it. And, and so, so Zacchaeus, is, even though he was hated, there's a, you see that, that Jesus sees something about this dude's faith. Right? So he wants to see Jesus does something about it is invited to see Jesus and he hurries and receives him joyfully. There's this joy that comes only from the Lord when you encounter Jesus. And Zacchaeus had this. And uh, the, the neat thing, I wish we had enough time to talk about, if you, want, if you want to talk through kind of just markers of whether someone is saved or not, markers of salvation, you see this beautifully in the story of Zacchaeus because you see three things. One, you see true repentance. Secondly, you see surrender, and the third you see sacrifice. Let me let me go to verse uh, let me go to verse it's verse 7 again. We start there, and he saw it, and they grumbled. He has gone to be in the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods, there's the sacrifice, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone, there's the repentance of anything, I will restore it fourfold. This, this is the heart of a guy that, that like sees his sin turns from it, not only turns from it, surrenders his life to the Lord and says, "This everything is yours anyways. And then he goes fourfold and says, I'm gonna give it back and sacrificially gives. These are the markers of what it means to be walking with the Lord. It's not like how many times you go to church. It's not how many times you go to home group. It's not how many times you read your Bible, but it's these fruit of the spirit sort of things that happen inside here. And so you see what happens when Jesus, same thing, Jesus is walking along and and I've always, I've read this story a hundred times. And and, and I've always thought of it like, uh, you know, the wee little man, he's jumping up, he can't see Jesus. So he climbs up in a sycamore tree and he's like, Jesus over here. And he's like waving down from the tree. And then Jesus is like, oh, there you are right there. And then he kind of just sees him. But that's not what you get really. You get where Jesus again is on a big mission, walking, 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 looks up, stops, looks up and sees Zacchaeus. That, like, that, that is mind-boggling to think about the fact that like, just think about just this week, what you have to do. Your to-do list, the people that you have to take care of. And think about like Jesus has the awareness in the midst of a big project or something that he has to do. He stops dead in his tracks and looks up and sees a soul. Man. He looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And he went to his place and he loved him despite the criticism. And the, the fascinating thing is that like in today's world, we see a lot of people that, uh, that the criticism that we get, like that the church gets is mostly from the outside world um, and how we kind of have this lukewarm faith. Most of the criticism that Jesus gets in scripture is from the religious elite. <laughs> it's the people that are prideful, people that, um, that have made their faith legalistic. And it's about like, if I do this, then God will give me this. And those are the people that are griping at Jesus. Because he's all about, let me fulfill what the scripture says. Let me a- abide by the scriptures and let me follow my father. It's not about tradition, it's about doing these things so I can get, it, it, it really, it's, think about this. I mean, people are seeing him associate with people that don't know the Lord. That's, that's the criticism that Jesus gets. We don't get a lot of that. (laughs) We get a lot of lukewarm faith. We get criticized for that. We get a lot of, you're a hypocrite. We don't get a lot of, man, like Tony, can't, can you, please stop being a light amongst darkness. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't get a lot of that. You just don't, you know, right? Um, and that's just an encouragement for me. I mean, like, what are people seeing you do? Just hang around Stonegate people all the time? That's it, right? Like, we get criticized for being in our Christian bubbles and hanging out with them rather than let me spend time with people that don't know Jesus. That's why He's being criticized. So people see it. And then he says, today, not tomorrow, not next month, not next year, today, salvation has come to you. And so for you in the room, maybe you've been searching, maybe you've been struggling, like, man, I don't know what to do with my, like, I don't know why I'm even here. I don't even know how I showed up here. Like, salvation can be offered to you today. And so you don't have to have all the answers. You can have a bunch of questions. I still have questions. And let us, you can go over to the prayer table and you can have a moment where you go, I don't know what's going on in my world, but I know that I need Jesus. And let me do something about it. Today's salvation is offered to you. And then he says this weird thing where he says, since he also is a son of Abraham, Kind of strange, huh? That he says that. What he's talking about, if you go back to Luke chapter three, John the Baptist talks to these people, and he's saying, "Hey, why do y'all think y'all are believers because Abraham's your daddy? It ain't about your mama, your daddy. It's about if you have a repentant heart before the Lord." That's how salvation is offered to you. That's how you become a son of Abraham. It's through repentance. And if you go to Galatians chapter 3, Paul talks about this again and he says, "Hey, you know how you become a son of Abraham? It's not just through this lineage or heritage, but it's about faith." You having faith allows you to be grafted into this lineage to have salvation to be a son of Abraham. So, so again, salvation is not about doing things to get closer to God, but it's about the thing that was done on the cross to get you to God. It's about repentance through faith. Nothing of you, all of him. He says, Zacchaeus, you've become a son of Abraham because I see faith in you. And then he ends it with this. You know why I came? I came because I came so that the blind may see. I came that the lost may be found. That's why I'm here today. That's what I'm about to go do. Is to offer salvation to those that are blind and that are lost. And so my prayer for y'all is that may you be used as a vessel for that cause, for that mission, that should be our prayer. And, and, and I think the reason why we, we, we're oftentimes going back to the original question, why are we missing those opportunities? Why are we missing them, the people? Maybe we're missing them or those opportunities because we're missing him. We're, we're not listening to the voice of God that goes two o'clock right there. Go, go talk to them. You don't even have to talk. Just just listen. Just, just ask questions. Just Be their friend. Just follow Jesus ferociously and let them see you. You don't have to talk that much. Like, what does it mean? Like, how can we as a Stonegate church, as a church body, individually go out and be these people that go, man, God's told me to do this as a career in my life, but let me be so aware of what he's doing in the now. Let me be so aware of what he's doing on the mission field that he's put me in. Because let me tell you, it's not just to hang around a bunch of believers all time. It's not that. Just isn't. So I just want you to be encouraged by that just to know that like he wants to use you. Like he wants you to be intentional about these opportunities where you can go and be a light amongst darkness. And um, man, what would it be if we were people that didn't miss it? that we weren't just a growing church just because we're an Acts 29 church and oh yeah, that's kind of like Matt Chandler and like, oh yeah, I think I know about that. And so like people keep coming, but what if it's like people are coming to know the Lord and people are coming to this church and they were once lost and now they're found. Not like just church shuffling of members. What if it was that? Like what if we weren't missing opportunities and we are all like just one person a week, each person in this room, one person a week, they're like, man, I'm praying for that. I'm praying for that opportunity. Lord, speak to me and reveal to me the opportunity. And when it comes, give me boldness and courage to speak up and to live a life that is courageously for you. What if it was that? And you can do that not only on, on, a, on a home group, I mean, not only on an individual level, but you can do that on a home group level too. Um, I, I would love if like, if for the, the next couple of weeks as a home group, you had this conversation of like, are we too inward focused? Like, do we only think about accountability and community in ourselves? And what if it was a picture? I mean, you're talking about a season right now, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, prime time opportunities. Like what if your home group was about like once a quarter where you're thinking through and brainstorming and planning ways that you can be just outward and not inward? Because it feels nice and cozy inward. But what if he calls us to more than that? Um, So there's an example of a home group that did that. Um, Halloween, there's a home group, and I want to just show you all this and give you all a glimpse of, oh, allow you to be brainstorming what that looks like for y'all. So let's look at this. There you go. So that's, that's my prayer for y'all. Um, the Needhams, they, they were able to take uh, something that was so demonic filled and, and, and breathe living water into it, allow it to be a, a, a thing that is filled with living water. And so, so may we be aware of that. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it, I mean, for me, like I, I work at a church, so I hang around Christians all the time. And so I've been trying to figure out like, man, what are you gonna do with my petroleum engineering degree? Nothing, really. Uh, I've done nothing with it. But you know, I was like, I love math. And so I've just tutored for the past couple years to give me opportunities to be around people that don't know Jesus. And that's like my intentionality thing. That's what I do. So like whatever gift set and whatever area you're in, like may that be a mission field for you. Like, use it for the glory of God. Uh, So let me pray for you for that. Father, we love you. We are humbled by the fact that um, such a big, great God uh, can stop and listen to us and look. uh, It's humbling to think that, that you would look down on me, a sinner, and offer grace. Uh, so so may you offer grace and peace to us in this moment. Uh, may we be so aware, not just of your movement. May we be aware of that, but maybe also be aware of how we're supposed to move from your movement, what we're supposed to do in response to that. And I know that the harvest is plenty. And so may Stonegate Church be a church where the laborers are many Maybe we be so aware, not, not dependent upon what's going on in our world and in our lives and the big thing that you've told us to do with our careers and our lives, but maybe we be so aware of the, the, the minor moments where you want to make yourself known. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.